Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Lighthouse Faith Podcast, moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel, and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. It's a yearly list that shows where in the world it is most dangerous to be a Christian. Open Doors USA just released its annual World Watch list of the top 50 countries where Christians are most persecuted. And the verdict is really grim. And from 2020, the number of Christians murdered for their faith rose 60% last year. And the coronavirus has added another layer of persecution as some countries use the pandemic as an excuse to malign and further marginalize people of faith. Now here with more details is David Curry, who's president and CEO of Open Doors USA. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me on, Lauren. I appreciate it. You know, give me the general takeaway of this year's watch list. Well, the, the big surprise is that extremists and some governments are using COVID as an extra layer to justify persecution against Christians. We could not have anticipated that. You see it in the number of people who have lost their life due to their, to their faith. That's because, largely because of what's happening in the north of Nigeria, where Boko Haram is on average killing 10 people a day for their faith. It's not for some other reason. They're targeting Christians and they're using COVID. What they're doing is they're cutting off uh, communications, cell phone communications, and likewise to these Christian villages in the north. Then they're going in, they're attacking Christians. They're taking medical supplies. They're taking their food supplies from the central government that was given to these communities because of the COVID lockdowns. So it's that kind of thing, which is unusual this year. You also see it in India where local governments are not distributing food and, and sanitary medical care in the COVID crisis to, you know, to hundreds of thousands of people. We've identified 115,000 incidents, uh, individuals who were affected this way. Certainly there's going to be more. We only report those things which we can validate. So it's going to be north of that. You have this situation where COVID is being used as an excuse or as a leverage to persecute Christians. Nigeria has been a growing issue this past year. I know uh, uh, one book at least has been written about the situation in Nigeria, but you don't hear a lot about it in the U.S. Why is that? Well, I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of other problems. We can be sort of self-focused, uh, just like everyone else, I suppose. But what people need to understand about Nigeria is that I feel, and I think the data shows it, that it's very reminiscent of what was happening in the north of Iraq. You had, uh, before ISIS took over, you have extremist groups that have a, a stated desire and the capacity to to take over and create what is called a caliphate where they can impose their most extreme version of Islam, where they can take the natural resources there. There's oil resources there. And now Boko Haram over the last four to five years has gained in strength. They're now going into Niger. They're now uh, attacking into Burkina Faso to the West. 
that wasn't even on the list of the world watch list three years ago. Now it's number 32. They've lost the entire northeast region of Burkina Faso. They, they're attacking into Chad. They're attacking into Cameroon. So you have a situation where they're already showing us the pattern. And I think this is part of why uh, uh, governments, people who don't have any faith, need to look and see what's happening to the persecution of Christians because it's a canary in a coal mine. You have uh, an area that's ready to tip over into chaos, and we need to pay attention to it. Um, and then North Korea, uh, North Korea has, has been the perennial, like, number one spot for how many years now? For 20 years in a row, it's been number one. And that's because they control so many means uh, uh, around people having a, a life. They control the police, they control the borders, they control your food, they control uh, what you can watch and listen to. And they even have old Soviet-style neighborhood watches where they give people more food or money to report on their neighbors if they find out that they have a Bible or even are suspected of being a Christian and having a, pr a private faith. So North Korea has a massive amount of control. You'd think with that control they could possibly do something good, but instead it's become a very cruel and, and evil regime and has been for a very long time now. But there's been really no change with North Korea, and I don't know if the, you know, the U.S. has made any efforts towards that. I know, you know, the Trump administration, you know, made that big, you know, you know, meeting with, you know, the leader there, but it, it seems so there's nothing really that's been done. And, and can you describe what the U.S. efforts have been towards North Korea and why there's just really the needle has just not moved at all? Well, we've tried not talking to them. President Trump tried a new tact and had conversations with them. I think the real thing that will be a breakthrough, and I have encouraged the Biden administration in this regard, is to when we're having discussions on nuclear c controls, it needs to be side by side with human rights discussions because nuclear uh, compliance would take years, some people say up to 13 years to figure out if they're even complying in any way. Whereas if we had discussions at the same time along the right, uh, human rights uh, path, you could find out within three months, 90 days perhaps, whether or not they were willing to be part of the international community. What might that look like? It might look like allowing the Red Cross in to, to bring medical supplies, to, to go into the labor camps, to see what can be done to improve the conditions, uh, to have ambassadors on religious liberty or State Department officials come in and have a discussion about what uh, some steps might be towards uh, towards opening up uh, the discussion on on some humane issues. Now, if they're not willing to do that, what are the chances that they're going to be able to set down their guns? And the answer is probably not at all. Uh, so I think that needs to that needs to be part of the test: is are you willing to have a conversation about human rights? Yeah, yeah. The top ten. Uh uh, the, the nations that uh, the, the top 10 list is obviously North Korea, then Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, uh, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, um, Nigeria, and then India. Um, India's kind of keep, India keeps moving up on the list. Is that right? Yeah, India is a unique situation. It's the world's largest democracy. 
Uh, and of course, everybody knows and loves uh, somebody who's an Indian citizen. I have friends who are. Uh, but what's happened there is their government, they, Prime Minister Modi, since 2014, he's part of the BJP party. While he's smooth and very politic, has a very nice way about him, tries to avoid the question, his people, his party has an agenda to push Christians out of India. They want to, they think it's good for their economy, have a homogenous uh, language, homogenous currency, but also homogenous faith. And th those things don't correlate. Uh, but they're pushing out uh, Muslims and Christians. They're making it difficult for them. And it's, it's been a massive spike um, in attacks on churches and Christians. There's 65 million Christians in India. They're great citizens. They love, the, they love India. They don't want to be uh, part of the West. They, they enjoy their, their, their country, but they, they want to have a private faith, and that's getting more difficult in India. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised about China not being on the top 10 list. We've heard so much about what's going on in China. Uh, they're tearing down churches. They're um, they're just they're really upping their game against Christians in there, and the Christianity is growing there too. So why is it that China is not in this top ten list? I think they're number what they're number seventeen. Well, yeah, China is number seventeen, and I think it does pose the greatest threat to human rights. But what we do, Lauren, is when we do this grassroots study, we're talking to individuals, and we're measuring it in the private sphere of life, in the family sphere, in the national life, the church life, and violence levels. The reality is that in the family level of, of the Chinese home, people don't mind if you become a Christian. There's no punishment there. In some Islamic societies, in some Hindu societies, if you become a Christian, you could lose everything. You could lose your family. You could be hurt by your very family. So it just scores lower in the family portion of life. They're, they feel more free at the individual level. They don't mind if you're a Christian. It's the government that's surveilling Christians at an unprecedented rate. That's why I say it is both factual that it, they're number 17 on the world watch list because the Chinese people are not punishing them, but the government is intensely punishing them. And they're monitoring them with this technology that is unprecedented. It's facial recognition. It's knowing how often they go to church. It's deducting points from their uh, civil uh, their civil score, whether or not they're considered a good citizen because they may want to take their kids to church or because they may attend a, a, a house church. So China is using technology in a way that we have never seen before. If an Islamic regime like Iran begins to coordinate in this way, you can begin to see where this could head. There could be uh, some very difficult days ahead. I think that's why these discussions on transparency of how data is being shared, even in the West, uh, China uh, through Huawei has the ability to shut down some systems if they if they have control over it. They can take some data. Huawei is not provided tra transparency as to how data is being collected. And so they're passing all this on to the Chinese government within China. It's possible they could do it elsewhere and all this technology is being sold. Yeah. Um, well, I want to take a break right now here on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We'll be right back with more about the Open Doors USA, their, their world watch list. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. 
Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, we're back with David Curry. He's president and CEO of Open Doors USA and they've just released their annual world watch list, the 50 countries where it is most dangerous to be a Christian. Well, really anybody of faith, I guess, in a sense, but it, it particularly Christianity is being targeted on a global level. And we here in the United States sometimes don't understand that what's going on around the world um, um, and fellow Christians are being, are being persecuted. Why is this happening now, David? Well, I think what you have is you have a number of factors that are that are layered one on top of the next. One, you have the spread of extremist ideology. ISIS has lost their capital. They don't control a caliphate, a, 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 a geographic area, but their ideology has been spread around the world. They've given technology and training and bombs and so forth to uh, the folks at Boko Haram in Nigeria. We, we had that information, we reported it years ago. So all of these ideologies, not just Islam, but also there's now Hindu extremism in, in India, in Nepal, that is being used to, to foment this persecution. That factor is still there and it's gaining strength because you have rogue actors and rogue groups that can, that can act out against Christian populations and individuals. The other thing is, of course, this move of nationalism in India uh, and, and elsewhere where you have governments that are saying, essentially, you're not a true Indian citizen unless you're Hindu. And it's forcing, it, trying to force a compliance. But freedom of conscience, the ability for people to decide what to study, whether or not they believe the words of Jesus, and to practice that faith peacefully, that's pretty fundamental what it means to be human. And, and so uh, until we can grasp that, I think we're going to continue to see problems. And then, of course, you have strong governments, rogue governments, uh, those that are not in compliance with international communities are still in place, like North Korea. And China is certainly headed that way. I know we have a laundry list of, of issues with China, but now they have 100 million Christians within the, the borders of their country that love China. They want to be good citizens. But the reality is China does not want them to be Christians, and they're punishing them and squeezing them like a boa constrictor uh, around, their, around their freedoms. One of the things that, when I've done stories on China and the persecution of Christians, is that the, the Chinese government um, officials seem to, to promote this idea that if Christianity spreads, it topples governments. Um, is, is that sort of the propaganda that's behind the persecution of Christians? I think the pro, I, I think that that may be uh, their belief, the reality is that the Christians there in China love China. They're not political actors. What they want to do is have the freedom to go to church and and to study the Bible. So I, I don't I wouldn't even say that they're capitalists. These are these are people who are just people of faith. And they they love their country. So I think that's a false idea that China is propping up. The reality is, because we see this in the Uyghur Muslim population in the northwest of China, it's not just Christians, 
It's that China believes that the Communist Party should serve the role of God, setting the moral standards, setting the rules, and everybody pays obeisance to them. So any system, uh, it just so happens that, that Christianity, ha- there, there are more members uh, uh, of the Christian faith than there are the Communist Party, and I think they see that as a threat. That's a very interesting thing about China. And um, can you see if the number of Christians is still growing at the level it was growing a few years ago, that it was just by exponentially growing? What's the situation now? Well, the church did grow in China under persecution when it was intense. It opened up. The church uh, kind of came above ground, and now it's being clamped down again. I think what you see in cases like China is when the church has access to the Bible, when they can operate in community, when they're not totally isolated, it's going to grow. And so I, I don't know what the growth numbers are, but I know that the church in China is healthy in that they love being together, they love to have community, they study the Bible, they're peaceful people. Uh, so uh, I think the idea, if China thinks they're going to squash Christianity, I think that's a, mis- uh, that's a misunderstanding of how passionate people are about their faith. You know, um, and I know this is probably something that um, people would, you know, balk at, that I would actually bring this up, but what is the situation for Christians in America? I mean, they're not, I, 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 I I get that probably the USA is not on the world watch list, but um, what is the situation? Well, we do study, we provide the the top 50 of the world watch list. We study uh, countries outside. We do surveys and get grassroots feedback from within the United States. It does not uh, reach anywhere near this, as you said. Uh, I think what, I recommend people do is if they have concerns about the way Christians are characterized, if we're being painted as intolerant, if you think that there's a chance you could lose your right uh, to meet or that you feel like people are being punished for Christian activity, then imagine it a thousand times worse, a hundred thousand times worse. Mm. And then you begin to give a picture of what's happening around the world. And I think, by the way, it helps us to appreciate the freedoms we do have. We have to stand up for them. We have to be clear that our, that our activity online could be monitored. We have to provide uh, you know, for the possibility that things could get worse here. But the reality is it's not the same as what people are facing in China and North Korea and these other places. We have to be thankful for that. And I think... My hope, Lauren, is, and this is why we published the list, is that people of faith will stand up and pray for, care for, be concerned for, and share the stories around the persecution because we need to be motivated to speak out for those whose voices are being silenced. Uh, There is a great possibility now with technology to silence and to censor voices. We have to be very cautious to stand up for that right. But the reality is, in the places that I mentioned on the world watch list, people can't, their voice is not heard. They are suffering in silence. And we want to shine a light on it. That's why we published the list. How much do you work with the State Department, uh, the the International um, um, uh, Center for for Religious Freedom? How, How much do you work together with them? Well, every administration is different. We had a strong relationship with uh, the Obama administration, even though we had strong disagreements over how they 
crisis mapped the ISIS uh, situation because they didn't seem to want to bring religion into the focus, even though uh, ISIS had brought it into focus. The Trump administration, the State Department, we, we take this a la carte. We don't swallow any agenda as a whole. Our, uh, our agenda is to help persecuted Christians. But the Trump State Department was very, very good on this because they raised it in every discussion that, that I was aware of. The Biden administration, I think, has the possibility to, to stand on the shoulders of that idea. We have now 32 countries that are having discussions around religious liberty at the State Department. Let's add to that. I don't see anything that suggests that the Biden administration can't really move this forward. They can appoint, I've recommended that they've appointed a great ambassador on religious liberty that could answer directly to this to the Secretary of State. That was new with uh, President Trump, and I think it's helpful to have that direct conversation because this is a point person who's going to be in discussions on, on India, on our partners around the world who, who are struggling with human rights issues. Uh, and so I think that's a key step. I think immigration levels as it regards to uh, religious uh, minorities who are in grave danger, Yazidis uh, in some cases, uh, certainly Christians in Iran and elsewhere, uh, those can be lifted sensibly to allow uh, for people to have their lives saved. I know of some in Nigeria, some cases that I'm concerned about where People are, are needing to get out because they are under attack from Boko Haram. So our goal is always to keep Christians in the country because they want to be there. That's their home. They own land there. This is, is their whole world. But there are cases where people are in grave danger of losing their life, and we need to help them. And David Correa, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Any parting words that we can um, hear from you right now, just in terms of things that people should remember about this world, world watch list? Well, there's just a ton of data on the world watch list. I recommend people go to our website, opendoorsusa.org, because there's more data there, yes, but because there's video and story about the real people who are affected by it. And that's what this is all about. Individuals, real human beings whose lives are being touched by persecution just because they have a Bible and believe what it says. All right. I want to thank you so much, David Curry, President and CEO of Open Doors USA. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lauren. I'm Lauren Green. Thanks for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.